the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a wonderful show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be doing book reviews. The Jewish Hour receives, without exaggeration, anywhere between three to five books a week. And we very often, it's a good source for our interviews, and depending on the topic and subject. And we've just gotten backed up with them. We're not going to get to interview everybody. So we're just going to review the book. and It's not a just because you could call it the good housekeeping seal of approval. We only review books and recommend books that we feel are top notch because, let's see, out of, uh, say, some 30 or so books, we're going to be talking, discussing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of them. So it's about a third that actually made the cut. Kind of like March Madness, you know, this this is this will be uh, the Jewish Hour's elite, elite um, what do they call it? Elite Eight. In the second half hour of the show, we're going to be talking about the portion of the week, which is Tazria, can be found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 14 and following. Pretty amazing story. I think I may have told this in the last 28 years, I may have told this story. I don't remember because when I saw this, I went, Whoa, this is a cool story. Thank you going to stay for all the way for the end for that. Wonderful music scattered throughout. We've got an amazing Chad Gadya. Stay tuned for that. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. An Israeli Arab killed four people, including a Chabad rabbi, in a stabbing attack in Beersheba. Two others were also wounded. The attacker was shot and killed by a bus driver passing by. A series of bomb threats were called into Jewish institutions around the country, including Adat Shalom in Farmington Hills. No threat was found to be credible. Police agencies are actively looking for the perpetrator. Iowa passed a series of bills against the BDS movement, that's Boycott, Divest, and Sanctions Movement Against Israel, and anti-Semitism. Yay, Iowa. Kansas became the 35th state to adopt the international definition of anti-Semitism. Go, Kansas. And Colorado became the 8th state to divest its pensions portfolio of Unilever stock. The move comes after Ben and Jerry's stopped selling its ice cream in the West Bank, and I inquired if Michigan would do that, and was told Michigan doesn't have any Unilever stock in its portfolio. 
In continuing news, we, gotta, we have to watch this. The polio virus was found in sewage in Tiberias as a second child was diagnosed this week with the disease. Five more children are suspected of having it. All cases involve unvaccinated children. Singapore upgraded its relationship with Israel by announcing that its consular services, which have been, they've had a consul since 1969, will now become an embassy, and the embassy will be located in, unfortunately, Tel Aviv. And finally, this is some happy news, Israel is the ninth happiest country in the world, according to the World Happiness Report, which has been coming out every year. Israel started at 15th and has worked its way up to 9th. The report factors in a country's gross domestic product, social support, life expectancy, freedom to make life choices, citizens' generosity, and perceptions of corruption in its ranking. Finland was ranked number one. The U.S. was ranked 16th, seven places behind Israel. Afghanistan placed last. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We're going to be doing some book reviews, and the uh, this the pile is just as I said, the pile is just getting too big. So we're going to clear up all of these. These are the books that made the cut. There's some, maybe twenty or so books that are sitting on the review team's desks, and they just said, "No, we're not." going to review them not necessarily that they were bad there were actually there were a couple that were bad that we cried because of the loss of trees for those books and we're not even going to of course we never mentioned because my mother always said if you have nothing good to say about something or somebody don't say it so a bad book does not get reviewed at all but so we're going to we're going to uh, talk about these just very very briefly each one first one is a book called bridging traditions It's an analysis of Sephardic versus Ashkenazi traditions. It's from Maggid Press. The author is Chaim. I'm assuming he pronounces his name Yachter. It's spelled with a J. And what this does is is it's it's a very compelling work because everybody knows that you have Jews who were from the European descent. They're called Ashkenazi. And you have Jews that are from Spain, North Africa, Israel, and East, and they're referred to as Israeli, as uh, Sephardi. It doesn't take into account, and this is like a very little known, known smaller group, is actually what about the ones that are north of Israel, like in Azerbaijan and Baiku and Georgia and Turkey and those rights there. But, listen, you can't do everything, but the two major groups are Ashkenazi and Sephardi, and this is a very good compendium for comparison. If you really want to know, why is it that you, your Ashkenazi self, don't eat beans and peanut butter on Pesach, but your Sephardi friend down the block, no problem having fava beans and rice at the Seder? This is this is a compendium for you. Again, this is Magid Press. This is wonderful, and uh, I recommend it as, really, it's a good thing. Next one, very timely. I like, I really do love Jewish history books, especially about if they're very specific to a certain time, incident, period, uh, subject, etc. This one is called Torah in a Time of Plague by Aaron Lieb Schmuckler. And this, uh, it's uh, Ben Yehuda Press. 
and uh, very <laughs> time of plague. So Baruch Hashem, we're we're coming out of one. It's been two years, but it's not the first time that Jews have had to deal with plagues. You had the bubonic plagues and the black plagues and smallpox plagues and. There were cholera plagues. There's been plagues throughout history. They used to call them pestilence way back when. Whatever happened to pestilence? They became coronaviruses. And uh, rabbis were writing, well, what should we do? And it was interesting to note, like, for example, in the 1500s, they were telling people, you shouldn't go to a synagogue. Stay home. Don't don't start spreading. It was, it was looked upon as, you know. We the the uh, the nations of the world were looking at the plague of some sort of spiritual malaise, and very often Jews got blamed for them because the Jews were not getting the plague as bad. There were lots of Jews who died of black plague, but a lot of black plague was caused by fleas, and a lot of that was prevented simply by washing and bathing, and that was like something that's inherent in Judaism, which is not inherent necessarily in medieval Europe. So that's a very good very good piece. Torah in the time of plague, Aaron Leib Schmuckler. Next, uh, we got the probably the most prolific of works that are coming out now would be Holocaust memoirs. And it's really hard to say whose memoir is more of a memoir than another memoir. So we have eight, maybe 10 memoirs. And my wife is of the opinion, I I keep, I've asked my wife, do we need to have another memoir? And her answer has been absolutely. And at this point, the Jewish, the Rothschild Jewish Lending Library at Jewish Ferndale, the biggest section we've got, 18, 20 sections, 2,000 titles, the, the sections growing most are Holocaust memoirs because now they're finally coming out. So uh, the stories are all important. So, But for point of uh, just uh, keeping it uh, within our time constraints because I couldn't do all 10, so I picked two. And two? Yes, two. One of them is called My Mother's War. It's a story of, uh, it's written by Eva Taylor. It's a story of her mother, how she survived not one, not two, but three concentration camps. Also, it's very, every one of these stories, they're all, they're all heartbreakers. They all, reading them brings a person to tears. Every one of them shows an intestinal fortitude, a sense of courage and determination because, that's what it took to survive. I mean, uh, Victor Frankl in Mayan's Search for Meaning, which came out right after the Holocaust, as soon as he got liberated, sitting in a DP camp, he wrote it and said, this is how I survived. It's basically, it's the same story, different uh, different, uh, different uh, variables, but each one's very important. So this is My Mother's War, Survive, uh, survive th- How My Mother th- Survived Three Camps, Eva Taylor, Hanover Square Press. The other one is called The Watchmakers. This is, I I happen to be a little bit more partial to memoirs that can be made into movies and envisioning who would play this part and who would play this part and who would play that part. And we've had uh, things like that, uh, like The Minutemen, which was actually made into a movie, and The Book Smugglers, which should be made into a movie, and... Uh, the various other ones. So this is the Watchmakers of this is called, simply called the Watchmakers, and it details there were three brothers. They were the the Langa brothers, and this is written by Scott Langa, who is the son of Harry, one of the three, and it tells of their story. Citadel Press, and this one's not coming out until July. We got a an advanced copy, but as far as Holocaust. Memoirs and stories. This one reads like a novel, and you're going to, you know, you can't, there can't be a sequel because this is a real thing, and they can't make this up because it's not made up. But this tells about what was going on. It's a a really good, sets the tone in the whole story of a successful family in Poland during the 20s and 30s in their watchmaking business, the time period of the Holocaust, and then their relocation to St. Louis. And how the family thrived afterwards. Very, very compelling story. 
Next, this is a cute title. And cute titles are, why do people have cute titles? People put cute titles on a book in order for you to pick the title, the book off the shelf and look and see, do I want to have this book? So this is a cute title and I'm going to accuse them of being cute, but it worked. The book is called Can Robots Be Jewish? And it's by Amy Schwartz. It's Moment Press. And what it is, is it's responsive, modern questions um, taken through the modern Orthodox uh, lens. Very nice. I mean, uh, some very interesting questions that, are, that, that come up that do arise. Can, I be, can a robot be Jewish? Of course, the answer is, is the robots are not Jewish. Of course not. So I, I just spoiled it for everybody. Spoiler alert. But the, the rest of the modern responses are uh, are looked upon in a very interesting light and it gives it puts an interesting spin and I'm not gonna spin's not the right word, but presents Jewish law and modern questions in this uh in a very easy to read, understandable and uh and impressive manner. Similar to that, since we're talking about Jewish law, this is this is a very interesting book. This book has got actually a lot of publicity there's a lot of push to it. I ordered the book, and uh, two months later, the publisher asked me, do you want this book? And I realized, I said yes, but then I realized that sitting on the review tables of the of the Jewish Hour was a copy of this book. It is an amazing thing. The, just the, the whole backstory of it. Let's talk about this one for half a second. The book is called... Nishmat Habayas, which means the soul of the house, women's issues by Magid Press. There is no author on the book. The author is Yoetzitz Halacha. Let's talk about this expression, Yoetzitz Halacha. For over 3,000 years, if you wanted to know a law, a Jewish law, what do I do in this situation? You went to a rabbi. And the rabbi who was learned would tell you, this is what you do in this and this situation. Now, if you come into my house and you ask my wife, I used a milk spoon and a flashic in a meat pot. What do I do? My wife will tell you what to do with the, with the spoon, what to do with the pot, what to do with the food, because she runs the kitchen. She has to know the laws. And indeed, I once heard it said that were a man to know all the, the of Judaism that a woman is required to know, they would be lauded as a great scholar. And there is an there are organizations now that are training women to know the Jewish law, so that as I, the way I see it is, if I were a woman, I would feel a whole lot more comfortable asking another woman because what are they asking i have a problem problems are embarrassing what happens i <laughs> the milk glass with the with the flashic soup with the this and you know so it's like admitting i have a problem and people that that could be very embarrassing especially when you're talking about women's issues and it has a whole thing about uh Life, the life cycles of, uh, this one specifically deals with women's issues, contraception and, uh, and childbirth and nursing and various questions that come up that involve, I would think, a woman would be more comfortable asking a woman. So there, this book was put together, and I recommend it for any woman who has issues. Yes. And even if you don't have issues. So this is this is uh, was very well done, and it shouldn't be that a person should say, "Well, the tradition is that you go to a rabbi to ask these questions." There's, you know, remember the genre of light bulb jokes. Well, <laughs> how many Orthodox rabbis does it take to change a light bulb? The answer is change. So there is no reason why a woman can't go to a woman who knows the answer. It's and I would encourage it, and uh, definitely something to do. Again, the book is called Nishmat Habayist, which means this. So it doesn't interesting. It doesn't translate in the book that I saw. I didn't read it thoroughly, thoroughly, but 
but it doesn't translate. It's what the Nishmat Abayis means, the soul of the house, women's issues, Magid Press, Yoetzitz, Halacha. And uh, this is the last one. Look at this. In the, this is this is actually a pretty amazing book, and specifically for what's going now in Europe. Okay, the book is called "In the Midst of Civilized Europe: Pogroms from 1918 to 1921," which means following World War One. Everybody know what's a pogrom? A pogrom is a riot, which was perpetrated by the masses, presumably against the government or some ruling authority, and the result was that Jews got killed. And uh, pogroms had been going on in Europe, oh, from the, the thousands, the thousands, 1100s. You know, we've talked about those before, expulsions and these things. And, and it's uh, a thousand years of European history is all about how Jews got killed. So this is specifically focusing on Central Europe, 1918 to 1921. One of the countries in Central Europe happens to be Ukraine. So it's very interesting how the whole setup, the whole philosophy of what's going on now in the mindset is historic. As uh, we had one a while ago, we had Khani uh, uh, Kamenetsky, who's the, who's the Chabad representative in Nyper. And she happened to mention to me that their Jews are primarily in Ukraine or in Eastern, the Russian side of of Ukraine, and Jews didn't live in the western side of Ukraine. The anti-Semitism was just too great. So it's something which has been there, it's, is there, it will be there. And if it was up to me, I've said this on these airways and in many places, venues, and, and uh, elsewhere, that I personally believe that there shouldn't be no Jews living anywhere between London and Vladivostok. They should all pick themselves up and move out because we see what happens. There's always the opportunity. You know, the Russians are firing against the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians are firing against the Russians, and Jews are going to get killed. So it's just one of those things. This is by University of Michigan professor Jeffrey Weidlinger. I think I hope I'm pronouncing his name. It's either Weidlinger or Weidlinger. It's Metropolitan Press. And I recommend this one. This one gets two thumbs up, especially if you're a history geek. If you're not a history geek, it's a real good read. And really, it will make you a smarter person. And if you are a history geek, you will be geeked out. And uh, that then is it. Let's see. So uh, just to go over it very quickly again, Bridging Traditions. Did I skip one? Oh, yes, I skipped one. Sorry. A novel. You have to. We have to throw in one novel. We get now. I'm. I've never interviewed anybody about a novel because a novel is stuff that somebody made up, and uh, you want to say that he has salient points. Okay, and what's the purpose of the novel? And I know that, uh, for example, uh, there are people who do interview shows where they will interview a novelist and the backstory behind the novelist and who the novelist is and what was the impetus behind writing this novel and and it's such a great novel to read but um no I've never done that because I wanted I I've always wanted the interview to be something which had basis in fact rather than imagination but this is a cute book um I'll say it's more than a cute book the book is called The Hidden Saint it is a novel, and it is written by Mark Levinson. It's New Ark Press, not Newark. It's N-E-W-A-R-C, two words, New Ark Press. And then we're not from Delaware over here. New Ark Books, excuse me. New, I got to say this slow because I'm from Newark. New Ark Books, The Hidden Saint, and it is best described as being a cross between Game of Thrones meets Fiddler. There's all kind of there's fantasy and imagination. I would put definitely put it in if you're doing uh, novels. Definitely put it in the fantasy category. So this would be considered Jewish fantasy. I would say that yes, it is indeed a kosher book. If for those people who want to like read it on a Shabbos afternoon, if that's what you do on Shabbos afternoon, is read novels. And so that's uh, this is one that we recommend. This is the only novel that did make the uh, the cut here on the interview. So again, let's go over this again. We have Bridging Traditions by Chaim Yachter, an analysis of Sephardi and Ashkenazi customs. That's Magid Press. Torah in the Times of the Plagues by Aaron Leib Schmuckler. That's Ben Yehuda Press. 
My mother's war survival of three concentration camps. That's Eva Taylor. That's Hanover Square Press. The Watchmakers, written by Harry and Scott Langer. Harry passed away in 2000, so it was written by Scott Langer based on on uh, interviews with his father, Harry, and that's Citadel Press. And that's coming out in July. Can robots be Jewish? An analysis of, modern, of halacha through the lens of modern orthodoxy. That's Amy Schwartz, and that's Moment Press. The Hidden Saint, a novel uh, by Mark Levinson from New Ark Books. Nishmat Habayas, Women's Issues. That's Magid Press, and uh, simply it's Yoetzis Halacha. I'm not sure if you typed in into your browser, Yoetzet with a Z, Halacha, that it would come up as an author of Nishmat Habayas, but they're the ones who are listed to it. It's It's an organization in Jerusalem. And finally, in the midst of the civilized Europe programs between 1918 and 1921, Jeffrey Weidlinger and that's Metropolitan Press. And uh, that will do us for today and our review of books. And we'll do this, of course, periodically when we get logged down with more books. So stay tuned for that. And speaking of stay tuned, we've got to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hi, Herschel Finry here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. I'd like to do some music. I'd love, I picked up this music. It's really, really good music that I picked up. This song coming up is Simcha and Nachas. We really need some Simcha and Nachas right now. Simcha means joy. Nachas means things that bring you pleasure. Usually it's Nachas from your kinders, pleasure that you get from your kids doing such wonderful things. And this is called, and it's done by the Simcha Choir. Let's listen. Sing the in the minimum we go. Michelle, 
new year approaching, why go anywhere else for your holiday shopping when you can go to the Grove? Fully renovated, the Grove is located on Greenfield Road, just south of 696. At the Grove, you'll find the largest selection of kosher foods and wines in Michigan. Looking for fresh, round holiday challahs, honey cake, or exotic fruit for the new year? The Grove has it. The Grove has the freshest produce, gourmet dairy, deli, and meats. They even have a kosher bakery and hot takeout right on the premises. It's The Grove on Greenfield Road in 696 for all your shopping needs. Herschel Fitman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Of course, The Grove has <laughs> all of your Passover needs as well. And uh, if you need Shmura Matzah, you can go to The Grove. They have it there, of course. Uh, you can contact me on RabbiFinman.com if you're in the Detroit area. We have various specialty matzahs that The Jewish Hour is um, making available to the public. If you just need a couple, we'll give you a couple. If you want pounds, we'll sell you pounds of whole wheat. We have two varieties of whole wheat, organic spelt and gluten-free oat shmur matzah. And maybe we'll talk in the second half of the hour about why it's important to have shmur matzah. I think maybe you'll do that a little bit. Uh, up next, for your listening place, this is a group I've never heard of, and but that doesn't mean anything. The... The Gemara actually says, the Talmud says, because you never heard of it, like, so what? Like, who are you? So I'm a who are you. So this is the New Haven Capella, which means the orchestra from New Haven. A Capella is, is an orchestra. The song is Eliyahu. This is actually a version that was done by the Afro-American experience. The song Eliyahu is sung on Saturday nights. It's also a reference to... The Passover Seder, as we're told that Elijah the prophet comes and visits every Seder. Uh, it's a good, a good uh, rendition. Let's listen.
all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. It's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Hey, Shulton and here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. The final song, which is sung at the Passover Seder, which is probably the most famous of them. Uh, in fact, one of the first CDs that we received at the Jewish Hour 28 years ago, this is a story in and of itself, was about Chad Gad Yad. It was a two-volume collection of various versions of this one song. We got it from Velva Pasternak of Blessed Memory, who at that time was, I forget the name of the organization, the, the CD distribution. He first sent me stuff on tape. That's how long ago this stuff was. Tape was really hard to work with. And then we got to CDs, and now we, we do everything online. So the Chagad um, Ya is, is uh, very popular, and everybody's got their way of singing it. We played one last week. We found one very interesting one this week. This is actually Jack Black, who has quite a voice on top of everything else. And Jack Black's Chad Gadya. Well, there came a goat that came a kid that father but for two zuzim. Chad Gadya, Chad Gadya. Then came a cat that ate the kid that father but for twos him had got There came a dog that bit the cat that ate the kid that father but for twos him had got Then came a stick that beat the dog that bit the cat that ate the kid that father but for twee we using Then came the fire that burnt the stick that bit the dog that bit the cat that ate the kid that father but for twee then came the water that quenched the fire that burnt the stick that beat the dog that bit the cat that ate the kid the father but for three we use and had Then came the ox that drank the water that quenched the fire that burnt the stick that beat the dog that bit the cat that ate the kid that father but for then came the butcher that slaughtered the ox, that drank the water, that quenched the fire, that burnt the stick, that beat the dog, a bit the cat, that the cat, the father, but for three wheels in Then came the angel of death, death, that slayed the butcher. That slaughtered the ox, that drank the water, that quenched the fire, that burnt the stick, that beat the dog, that bit the cat, that ate the kid, that father, but for two zoos in. Then came the Lord our God, King of the universe, that smote the angel of death, death. that slayed the butcher, that slaughtered the ox. That drank the water, that quenched the fire, that burnt the stick, that beat the dog, that bit the cat, that ate the kid, that father, but for three, we use him. Had God here! Had God! Yeah! 
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. It occurred to me as I was listening to this rendition that I should really talk a little bit about the significance of Chagad Yah. Why it is the last song is, is the rule. The rule is, is everything goes according to the end. Why it is the last thing that's done at the Passover Seder by Jews around the world. Doesn't matter. We've talked about before the differences in Sephardic and Ashkenazi and whatnot. And all the different versions that there are. And this uh, CD that I got 28 years ago which is two two CDs packed with like 50 versions of Chad Yad Yan, and it's everybody's got their own version. What's the significance? Well, Chad Yad Yan means a goat. My father bought a goat, and this English this version was in English, so you can understand that. So what's the goat? The goat represents the Jewish people. And it seems no matter where the Jewish people happen to get, they're always constantly being eaten by a cat. There's always going to be problems. But the problems have solutions. Now, the, the solutions create other problems. But those other problems also have solutions, which create other problems. Until finally, where, where and how is it all rectified is the Almighty comes and slaughters the angel of death. What does it mean to slaughter the angel of death? That there's no such thing as death anymore, which is an allusion to the Messianic era when things will be perfect and there won't be any more problems. We won't have to worry about that little goat, representative analogous of the Jewish people, will not have to worry about any more cats or any more pogroms, any more expulsions, any more anti-Semitism, and just will be able to finally grow up to go from being a kid to a full-fledged goat, which is what the Jewish people have been praying for for 3,000 years. So there is lies the significance of Chag Yad Yah, and I might just till Pesach or through Pesach and even after Pesach because there's some very good a cappella Chag Yad Yahs, um, uh, Cantor Helfgott, has a, uh, a cantoral Chagad Yah that's just wild. Um, and it's done in a, uh, uh, like an early jazz style, pre-swing. Um, something like you'd say around like the you know, 1930s style. It was probably when that version was probably written. So we'll dig them up. We'll play them for you. And if there's a version or some kind of a genre that you'd like, yeah, drop me a line at rabbifinman.com. We'll look it up. We'll find it for you. If it's on the, If it's out there, we got it. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the importance of Shmura Matzah. Passover, of course, there is this, there is a prohibition of eating grain. Grain is defined as a glutinous species, and there are five glutinous species. Wheat, barley, oat, rye, and spelt. And usually when I was a kid, people would say, what's spelt? But Spelt has made a comeback. It is ubiquitous. It is all over the place. All those people who don't want to eat wheat, they're all eating spelt. Some of them are eating gluten-free oats. What is unique about these five? These are the ones that you make bread from. Because what's the deal with gluten? Is Gluten is like, as the word, the first three letters implies, glue. 
you add a little water, some warm water and some yeast and some sugar, and the yeast begins to grow, and you throw in a glutinous flour and mix it all up, and now it becomes a dough, and the dough rises. That is what is bread. Now, if you're to use, say, like rice flour or bean flour, almond flour, anything else besides those five, were you to mix it up with those, with that mixture of a little bit of sugar and some yeast and some warm water and make a dough, it wouldn't rise. It would stay very flat because this gluey gluten stuff isn't there. There's nothing to hold it together. Yes, the carbon dioxide produced by the yeast will come, but it'll just, <laughs> it'll just ferment it. It won't cause it to grow. So those are the, those are the things. Now, so matzah must be made out of one of those five grains. I have never seen barley or rye matzah. I'm sure somebody must have done it at some point. I personally sell wheat, oat, gluten-free oat, and spelt matzah. So they're available. So the importance of matzah is right there in the Torah. Seven days eat matzah. It is absolutely incumbent upon everybody that the first nights of Passover, which this year are April 15th and April 16th, after it gets dark, which means after 8.30, nah, I'm going to say after 9 o'clock by that point, after 9 o'clock-ish, maybe 9.15, it's got to be dark out because it has to be it has to be Passover. If you're having your Seder at 6 o'clock on Friday afternoon, you're that's nice, but it's, for all intents and purposes, it's a model Seder. It doesn't count. It has to be done after dark, which I understand, which is why I'm, one of the reasons why I hate daylight savings time. Because me personally, I would much rather start my Seder at 8 o'clock than at 9 o'clock. So it's incumbent to eat matzah. Now, matzahs were always made handmade up until the advent of the matzah-making machine, which is made by a guy by the name of Rokeach, who sold it to a guy by the name of Manischewitz. And they began making machine matzahs, which are these nice, wonderful little squares that, for the most part, have no taste. And that's what people associate matzah to be. There is, but matzah was always made hand by, by hand before then. But there always was a special grade matzah where the grain was absolutely protected of coming from contact from water until actually the water hit the flour and it was mixed into a dough. That meant that they would cut the wheat on a dry day, which had been preceded by three dry days so that the ground would have no, there'd be no moisture on the plant, no moisture on the ground. And it would be stored in a, an environment of moisture free. And for the most part, like in the Northern hemisphere, wheat was harvested before the winter. So you're talking October, September, October, November. If it's a winter wheat, early December. It had to be stored until it was ready to be made into matzah. And if you're talking about now the commercial concerns, the bakery in Ukraine, from what I understand, it was actually baking matzahs for 10 months out of the year. So they would take a month before Passover, a month after Passover. And a month after Passover, they were baking again. So that meant that they had grain, which was sitting from before and then uh, all the way up for the following year. Absolute strict controls, no moisture. And then once the, the grain was turned into flour, and again, in, in no water wheels used, had to be stone ground. Once the water hit the flour, it was mixed into a dough. That dough came out of the oven in less than 18 minutes. So it was start to finish. And in most matzah bakeries, in 18 minutes, they probably did three. So each matzah probably took like six, seven minutes to go from flour and water to matzah. So this is what is recommended that a person use at the Seder. It's specifically shmura matzah. This word shmura means guarded to protect it from making sure that there's absolutely no chance that is there's absolutely no chance. Okay, it's 99.999% chance that there's it is not hummus stick. So it has been highly recommended. It's been a big campaign of the Babacher Rebbe since the 1950s when no one heard of the word shmura matzah. By that point... 
Mr. Rokeach and Mr. Harwitz and Mr. Margaretten and Mr. Manischewitz had cornered the matzah, matzah market, and everybody knew about matzah as being these square things that came 10 to a box or maybe 16 to a box. And the ShopRite would run a... Uh, always run a some kind of a special that if you bought, uh, when I was a kid, if you bought $25 worth of, of stuff, you got five pounds of matzah for free. It's a way to get people in the store. Now they don't do that anymore because matzah is too expensive. Tell me, somebody please contact me and tell me that they know of a place where matzah still uses a loss leader to get people in the door and they're giving it away if you buy so much and so much. Might be you have to buy $150 worth of stuff at this point for the five pounds of masa, which at this point is not costing five bucks. It's costing uh, 30 or 40 bucks. That's what the cost of loaf of bread is these days. That's, you know, everything's, we're living in, in, uh, in with inflation. So therefore, it's uh, absolutely necessary to uh, to get shmura matzah. If you need shmura matzah, you want shmura matzah, contact me at rabbifinman.com. And on the contact link, and tell me you want Shmura Matzah if you're in the greater Detroit area. I'm not mailing it. If you just want matzah for use at your Seder, so I will give you two matzahs, one to use at each Seder. If you would like to use matzah more extensively, you want a whole pound, so then I will sell you a pound. And so, But contact me because matzah is going quick, and uh, I would say do that today, as a matter of fact. Contact me at rabbifinman.com. And we will be in touch, and I will be looking for your email to do that. Speaking of to-do, we've got to take a quick commercial break. We've got a Hasidic story, which is going to be mind-blowing. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you Help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Hey, Shulfman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. Uh, want to get in touch with me? Go to RabbiFinman.com. You want matzah? You want to talk to me about something? RabbiFinman.com. They're on the homepage. They're the content link. You also have different archive. We have archived editions of the show. We have archived editions of classes that were taught. I put a lot into the classes. I really do. Archived editions of other things. Check it out. We also have the donations page. We're getting up to April, folks. Um, it's time. We've got to pay... February and March still, but Hashem, we pay January. So go to rabbifinman.com, go to the donations page. You could also pay for your matzah there, but you have to discuss that with me first because that's all, everything's through PayPal. Everything's cool. Check it out. You also want to check out jewishferndale.com for events that we'll be having. We will be hopefully Shabbos Friday night at Jewish Ferndale. We're planning on a community Seder. The Jewish Lending Library is open and 20, like you say, 20 categories. We've got over 2,000 books. It's 18 categories, two, over 2,000 books and growing. We might have to subdivide some categories. We have like a whole shelf now of books on anti-Semitism. We just put them into like history, but I think we should go into the anti-Semitism category. So do that today. The story involves a unnamed in-tavern owner lived in just outside the Polish city of Kolesabov, which we know to be many miles east of Gross Point Farms. And he rented a local inn, which is a euphemism for a bar, because he made his money by selling hard alcohol to the local peasants. And his business was good at first, and he was able to pay his bills, but then people stopped coming, and he lost his ability to pay his bills, and he would be late. And the landlord was like, I'm not putting up with this. You have to pay your bills. So he said to him, if you're late next time, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And it happened that he missed the day. The day was Friday, Shabbos morning, before he was ready to go to synagogue, 
They broke into his inn, which is also his house, and it was a group of burly, drunken Cossacks it's in the morning, and they destroyed the contents of his house. They broke every every table, every chair. They took the contents of his Shabbos lunch and spilled it on the floor. And uh, when they were done, they left. That evening, he decided he's going to ask the rabbi. He's going to go to town, to the local town of of Kalisavo, Poland, and speak with the rabbi, whose name was Avram Yeshua Heschel, who later became the famed Apta Rav. He moved from Kalisav to Apta, which is also located many miles east of Gross Point Farms, and was known as the Oyev Yisrael, the lover of Jews. And he's going to ask him, what should I do? So it, he made the trek. He had to, of course, by foot. And when he got there, the rabbi, Saturday night, the rabbi was having Malava Malka, which is a traditional Saturday night meal. It's obviously before daylight savings time. And he got there, and the rabbi was just ending his speech. And the rabbi said something very interesting. He said, we thank God for being a redeemer of Israel two ways. There's the bracha ga'al Yisrael, which is said at the uh, right before we begin our uh, our silent prayers, we say who redeemed Israel, and but then for and that's that's to thank God for redeeming us from Egypt. But then in the middle of our devotion, when we're talking to God, we say go al Yisrael, which means who redeems Israel. Which means the redemptions are ongoing. And then the Aptarov looked at this innkeeper and said, and even if it happens that the landlord sends a group of Cossacks to destroy some innkeeper's house on Shabbos, he should know there is someone who redeems Israel. The innkeeper heard this. He said, I got my blessing. It's amazing that the, no one ever told, no one had told the Aptarov about this. So he went back home and he told his wife, that this is what the Aptarev said. We'll be have we'll have a redemption. And he was just happy as anything. He's like, there's what are they? They spent the whole time cleaning up the mess that was made, clearing it out. The landlord still wanted his rent. And so he sent the Cossacks again, but this time they saw what did they see? They saw this Jew just singing and dancing. He's cleaning up the mess, and he's just like the happiest guy on earth. So they went back to the landlord and said, this guy's like he saw, like he found a treasure or something. He's so happy. So the landlord said, bring him to me. So the Cossacks picked him up, brought him to the landlord. He's just happy. He's got this big smile. He said, you owe me rent. This guy just smiled ear to ear. The landlord thought the guy must have had a nervous breakdown. It was too much what we did to him. I didn't intend to do him any harm permanently. I just wanted this. I want my money. This guy's a ne'er-do-well. He's not paying me. So he says to the, the landlord says to the guy, listen, I'll extend you a letter. And you take the letter to the wholesaler and say that on my recommendation, the wholesaler should give you liquor on credit. And then you'll sell the liquor and you'll make a profit. You'll put some aside for your debts, put some aside for your living expenses and put some aside to pay me. And he did that. He bought five cases of liquor, which the five cases of liquor became 10, which became 15. And he developed, finally became a uh, a, a businessman who was budgeted. That's what really what he needed was a budget and to be, you know, accounts payable, accounts receivable. And he happened to live happily ever after. That's going to do it. We want to thank you for tuning in. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. One, thank you. One of my favorite holidays in the Jewish tradition is Passover. It highlights our journey from slavery to freedom. Our music reflects the feeling of our people throughout this journey, a sentiment shared with and by the African American community. The following medley combines African American spiritual melodies with Jewish Passover music. Avadim ha'inu ha'inu Lefaro be'mi 
J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.